break 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 you are now listening to breakthrough news You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back with you here on The Punch-Out, 19th of May, 2021. The birthday of both Malcolm X and Ho Chi Minh today. Very happy to be with you here on this May 19th. And we've got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. Going to be talking about the just wild ride as it concerns the Maricopa County, Arizona vote recount situation. We talked to you about a little bit about that earlier this week, and it gets even a little crazier. We're going to talk about Wall Street, which is engaging on a lobbying blitz right now to make sure that their taxes stay as low as possible. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with the relationship between paid days off and vaccination rates. As has been widely acknowledged, the United States has reached the stage of the vaccination process where increasing the rate of those vaccinated is getting harder. 48% of the country has received at least one shot, so we're more or less halfway there. But there are all sorts of discussions at this point about who isn't getting it and why, and most of that sort of boils down to blaming Republicans and Black people, essentially. Now, (laughs) the former certainly has a lot of truth to it here, since Leading Republicans have been the leading driver of not only anti-vaccine sentiment or, you know, wishy-washy attitudes towards vaccines, but really just opposition to almost every measure that would actually help curb the pandemic. And they were the number one people really saying it wasn't that serious to begin with. And the latter issue concerning the black population is mainly chalked up to anecdotal stories about how black people are wary of medical care because of the long history of racism in the United States. Now, that history is certainly real, but honestly, the narratives are driven as much by assumptions and anecdotes as anything else, and I think deserve to be treated with something of a grain of salt. New research from the Kaiser Family Foundation, however, has found another major culprit for what is slowing down the pace of vaccines— And that's the lack of paid sick days for many workers. Now, overall, the Kaiser Foundation found that among unvaccinated adults that they surveyed, most of them were pretty concerned about the impact of missing work to both get vaccinated and recover from any side effects. 55% of Black workers said that they were concerned about missing work and not getting paid if they were to take time to get vaccinated and recover from any side effects. 41% of white workers agreed, and 64% of Latino workers felt the same. And among potentially undocumented Latino workers, that number rose to 73%. Overall, about a third of those asked said they would be more likely to get vaccinated if they were assured of paid time off. Notably, 54% of Latino workers agreed with that statement. Now, they didn't provide the same breakdown for black workers, but given that 59% of black people surveyed said that they had already gotten or wanted to get the shot soon, undoubtedly, there are some similar trends out there among those who have not gotten it. In fact, more people overall say they would be more likely to get the shot if assured of time off than 
the same response when they was asked, rather than time off, whether it would help if they were paid an extra $200 or if the employer brought someone to the work site to vaccinate them. I think that's pretty notable that you'd be more likely to do it if you got a paid day off to recover from the side effects than if you got paid $200. The vaccination issue is just further revealing how absurd the situation really is in the U.S. with paid sick days. 32.5 million individuals 32.5 million individuals, 27% of private sector workers lack access to a single paid sick day. As you might imagine, studies have shown Latino workers are the most likely to lack paid sick days. An estimated 54% of Latino workers do not have access to one paid sick day. That's compared to 37% of whites, 38% of blacks, 33% of Asians, and 47% of indigenous workers. 70% of those making less than $11 an hour have no paid sick days. 70%. And percentage-wise, it's actually worse in some of the areas with the least COVID protections. For instance, in southern states, between 32 to 38% of workers have access to no paid sick days. So in other words, have no access to paid sick days. This is even more crucial because those are states where public officials are taking the most intransigent stand towards COVID-related health measures and thus tend to be places where vaccinations are lagging, undoubtedly because of this political situation. For instance, in Mississippi, Only 26% of people are fully vaccinated. That's actually the lowest of any state in the country, I believe. Also in Mississippi, 38% of workers have no paid sick days. So direct connection there. This all speaks to how workers of color are disproportionately in low-income, vulnerable workplace situations and how certain states cultivate a very low-wage workforce as an economic strategy. So, of course, it's worth noting here, And related to what I just said, the crisis of paid days off is not random. The U.S. lags far behind any other comparable countries on this issue, and quite frankly, many other less well-off ones, because the aggressive lobbying of businesses. The drive to squeeze as much profit as possible out of workers by bosses is wrong for many reasons. But it seems clear that this particular reason is a pretty good one, that it's holding back the ability to properly address the COVID-19 pandemic by getting the maximum amount of people vaccinated as possible. Well, it's tax season, so it's certainly a fitting time that the political discussion in D.C., at least on so-called domestic issues, quote-unquote, is oscillating around the issue of whether or not rich people and profitable corporations should pay higher taxes to fix the bridges and provide childcare. We reported to you earlier this week that major business lobbies and corporate CEOs told Politico they're feeling pretty confident that they can defeat attempts to raise taxes in any way to fund those things I just mentioned, like infrastructure and childcare. And I'm not that surprised they feel confident because the new report from Public Citizen lays out they've got an army of lobbyists working on the issue and have spent huge sums in campaign donations to the right people. The Public Citizen Report took a look at what we know about lobbying and donations related to an attempt by Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii and Congressman Pete DeFazio of Oregon to raise a very tiny tax on Wall Street transactions on every trade. It would be a 0.1% tax on each trade. So in other words, 10 cents on every $100 worth of trades. So in other words, nothing. The tax would raise $752 billion in revenue over the next decade. 
Just for reference sake, it would cost about $100 billion to have broadband in every area of the country. It would cost $70 billion to clear the backlog of public housing repairs and $125 billion to make sure every bridge in the U.S. is up to code. So as you can see, you could do a lot with that money. Three quarters of the revenues from this very, very small tax, 10 cents on every $100 worth of trades, would come from the top 20% of earners, and 40% rather would be paid by the top earning 1%. Nearly a quarter of the proceeds of the tax, 23.5%, would come from just the wealthiest among us, the top 0.1% of earners. So not only is it nothing, it basically affects no one except for a bunch or really a very small number, actually, numerically, of very, very rich people. Wall Street, however, is mounting a massive and totally disingenuous campaign on this issue. That's what all the lobbyists are for. Uh, but they've mainly tried to focus on the issue of retirement funds. They claim that any added tax burden would be shifted to consumers and thus it would make it more expensive for people to retire. The claim is ultimately totally false. It's based on an assumption that most retirees have their money in actively managed accounts, i.e. where there's some broker doing a lot of trading. When in fact, most retirees invest in index funds that just track the market rather than engage in all sorts of bizarre, risky behavior. What it will do, though, is, well, one of two things or some combination of them. It could reduce the profit margins for actively managed funds, which are higher because of all the various fees and so on, and because sometimes the risky bets pay off. Or... It could raise the cost of actively managed funds to maintain the profit levels, right? Like you charge people more because uh, of the tax that's built in, but that means you could potentially lose customers. So on either way, you could see how it doesn't really actually hurt retirees, but it could hurt the brokers that oftentimes are ripping them off in these actively managed funds. Because actively managed funds rarely, quote unquote, beat the market. It's actually widely recognized index funds are the best stable way to invest. But of course, the whole goal of stock speculation is to gamble and win big. So actively managed funds offer the opportunity to take bigger risk and charge a lot of money for it. So you want to lure people in. You don't want anything that might make someone say, ah, I'm going to take a little less risk here. Wall Street firms, their trade associations, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce have been putting on a full court press uh, to spread these lies and avoid the tax. As public, public Citizen lays out, of the 10 organizations that have the most lobbyists working on the financial transaction tax, nine have released public statements of opposition against the tax. The Chamber of Commerce alone has 40 people lobbying on this issue. 40. The Securities, Industry, and Financial Markets Association has 27. Overall, the nine organizations that are opposed and in the top 10 in terms of the amount of lobbying they're doing on this issue, well, those nine organizations are employing 159 lobbyists overall, specifically against this very small tax. Charles Schwab has fewer lobbyists working on the issue, but they have spent $13 million on campaign donations in 2018 and 2020 election cycles. Those are, of course, election years. So that's a well-spent $13 million if you want to influence someone. Public Citizen also notes how Representative Patrick McHenry, who's the ranking Republican member of the House Financial Services Committee, and, in their words, arguably the most vocal opponent of the financial transactions tax in Congress, has received, get this, the second highest amount of money from financial transaction tax lobbying groups out of any member of the House. $703,930 from them in the 2018 and 2020 election cycles. Certainly good for his re-election hopes. 
Now, whether or not the tax could actually happen despite this is a whole other matter. It's true, lobbyists don't always win. But it is worth noting this issue is considered dead in the water in Congress, which certainly tells you something about the impact of the lobbying and the donations. And either way, it's a window into the huge amount of money major corporations are willing to pay out to avoid paying a dime more in taxes, no matter who it helps. The recount of votes from last year's election in Maricopa County, Arizona, that's where Phoenix is, has turned into just an absolutely absurd circus. I don't even know what else to call it. The state's Republican-controlled Senate is trying to back claims with this recount. They're the ones who pushed the recount here that the election was stolen and also provide more ammunition for extreme laws designed to restrict voting. Now, before we get started here, it's worth noting that there is zero evidence of voter fraud in Maricopa County. There's actually already been more than one official recount, and even many local Republicans are now calling this a quote-unquote sham. So clearly, the only reason this is happening is the absurd crusade to prove that an obvious lie that the election was stolen is true. And that's how we got where we are here. Now, on Monday, the Republican-controlled county board in Maricopa County called for the audit to be closed saying in their letter on this issue that, quote, our state has become a laughingstock, end quote. They actually put the word audit in quotes to show how absurd they think it all is. Now, despite that, the Senate President, Karen Fawn, says that they're going to keep going, they're going to finish it, despite the fact that Arizona has indeed become a laughingstock. The contractor these Senate Republicans hired there in Arizona is known as Cyber Ninjas. The CEO of Cyber Ninjas, before this audit was even started, had already been promoting claims that the election was fraudulent. Most embarrassingly, they've had their quote-unquote auditors using black lights to try to detect traces of bamboo in the ballot paper to back a totally bizarre claim that tens of thousands of pre-marked Biden ballots were flown in from Asia. That is true, what I just said. On Tuesday, another subcontractor claimed they had resolved a major claim about fraud, right? And that was that Maricopa County officials criminally deleted election information. And they announced in a hearing about this in front of the Republican Senate, well, they've now recovered the files. Now, you might think, whoa, they recovered them. So did they delete a bunch of files and they didn't do a good job and they were able to find these deleted files? Well, no. That's actually not what happened. And when the issue was first raised earlier this week, a technical letter came from the board where they already explained to people claiming that they had deleted these files, that they had not only not deleted them, but that they were just looking in the wrong place for the files. And if they went to another folder, they would, in fact, find these files. And as the board itself noted, the subcontractor then claimed one day after they released their letter saying, look in another file, this person said, well, we've recovered the files. So in other words, they were never deleted. They were just in a different folder. Yet the subcontractor is testifying before the Senate in Arizona, representing it as if somehow they had recovered the files in a way that implies there was a nefarious deletion there. There's also, ironically, maybe not ironically, given everything I've just said, the fact that the recount is going on with very lax security measures. As the Washington Post reports, quote, election observers have said that the recount process is inconsistent and lacks security measures. And lacks security measures. Uh, the Post goes on to say, noting that ballots and computers had been left unattended and that the contractors have used shifting methods to handle ballots, end quote. That's right. You heard that correctly. The recount to find election fraud in Arizona, specifically Maricopa County, is engaging in practices 
widely known to open up elections to fraudulent counting. I mean, just amazing. Although the one thing that isn't that funny about this is that this has actually cost Arizona taxpayers $150,000. It really is unclear what this audit will find. I sincerely doubt they will find any bamboo traces under those black lights. But it basically seems designed to deliver some sort of outcome that in some way can contradict the two recounts, a partial hand recount, lawsuits on both the state and federal level that have been dismissed, and the statements of Arizona's Republican governor in order to find some, maybe, I guess is what they're trying to do, some minor discrepancy that means nothing, that could never alter the outcome of any vote, and then seize upon that to pass draconian restrictions on voting in Arizona, and then add it to the pack of lies being shopped around by the former President Donald Trump and his friends to bolster the case that there was some sort of fraudulent conspiracy that unfairly denied him the presidency. I mean, it really is just a truly amazing statement on where the U.S. is right now. The fact that this is even a real story. I mean, looking for bamboo in paper under a blacklight to prove tens of thousands of ballots were flown in from Asia? This is not fake. It's not a fairy tale, dear listeners. It's actually happening. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 